how to build a successful digital strategy, and how to stay on top of the trends, the changing technology, as well as the different parameters from what individuals' rights should be to where the private sector and the public sector meet. You're listening to the Business Extra coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. Uh, with me is Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. We're going to get right into it um, because uh, for anyone that, that is out there and is maybe grappling with, you know, how do you succeed in this uh, evolving digital landscape? Because we spoke to someone whose actual job is to understand these things day to day and make a successful uh, digital strategy for Poland, in this case, uh, Christoph Schubert. Um, he joined us down the line from the Expo 2020 Dubai site where he was at the Polish Pavilion. Let's listen to that now. Christoph Schubert, the high representative of the Polish Prime Minister for European Digital Policy. Uh, you're at Expo today um, at the Polish Pavilion uh, talking to us. Uh, thank you for, for making the time. Yes, it's a great pleasure for me. So thank you for the invitation. We wanted to talk about um, sort of the wider area in which you're focused upon, which is, you know, what makes a successful digital strategy, whether that's a government or a company, um, you, you know, what, what are the, the metrics that, that you're looking at at the moment? Actually, the, the, the most important thing from yeah, looking from the business or administration perspective is to have the clear visions where we are going. So, so I think this is the, the most important area because in the past, I've been responsible for, for preparing or developing two main strategies for Poland, for the Ministry of Digital Affairs. So the the minister, she asked me a couple of years ago, before even she'd been elected, to prepare for him the idea how the ministry should look like, what topics should be on the list, on the short list, and just to prepare her the kind of a priorities, not really the, the very long strategy, like 100, 200 pages, but 15 pages ideas. And we, I prepared that type of document, and it was a very positive response. Also, having the public consultations on the document, the lady minister should have been elected and, and executed the strategy. So, so I have this experience from the business in the past. I spent 20 years in business on the sea level in different type of ICT companies. So had the idea on the problems and opportunities within the digital space. Three years on the Oxford Unity University, also having different perspective of the on the politics, on the changes, uh, on the societies, how the digital transformation are changing our world in general, and then back um, and been asked by the prime minister to provide advice and acting actually as a high representative of the prime minister for European digital policy. So that's that's quite a long story, but uh, yeah, twenty five years of being within the ICT space, yeah, that's that's the experience I have right now. So I'm trying to to follow our objectives or our priorities from the state perspective, and of course the the directions or the strategies which are built on the European level. So, Christoph, if if I if I sum it up um, from what you're telling me, it's a mix of sort of infrastructure. So, what you need to actually be in the digital sphere with clear, concise, and actionable policy. The two have to go together. For sure. So actually, I've built the strategies for Poland on the four pillars. So and, and we are, in most of the case, we are following this, this direction. So this is the infrastructure, as you said. 
even the fiber infrastructure or 5G or next G infrastructure. So high-speed connections to the services and internet is the most important uh, area. Second, services to, in, in, from government perspective or business perspective to really give the people reason to be in the space and, and to really act more and more in the digital field with uh, interacting with administration, for example, and I give you later on maybe the examples from our market, what we've done last years. The third area, very important from my perspective, that we are getting to be more and more digitalized in almost every aspect of our life, so the skills and competences in the digital space. And the fourth, cybersecurity, which is always present when we are talking about the digital space. I want to ask you about this idea of digital skills. The EU has declared this decade the decade of digital and has set a target to train 80% of European adults to gain digital skills. But what does that mean? Does that mean you have an email inbox? Does that mean you have a smartphone? Does it mean you know how to code? How do we define this? What are the benchmarks? And, and why is it important to have a digitally literate you know, adult demographic on, on all levels, yeah, because it was a clear, um, uh, clear vision of presented from the um, from the chief of the European Commission, from the Van der Leyen. So she actually announced the the digital decade and and prepared the number of initiatives around. So so in our perspective, is to build a skills and competences on all levels, starting from the people at school, from the young people. Also, they are in most of the cases they are very well skilled in digital world, but they have to know also about the treats and problems and cybersecurity issues they might be. Yeah interact with and, and to be, be sure that they will be prepared for that. For, for people which are across administration or businesses, if we look from the DESI perspective, which is Digital Economy Society Index uh, on the European level, skills are you know, something which is, which is in general a, a, bit, a little bit missing. During the COVID pandemic, you had a clear uh, perspective that more and more we will be in the digital space, more and more skills, and uh, we, we need to have. Yes, and, and also older people, yes, they, they would like also to be the part of the digital transformation. They would like to interact with uh, the digital services. As a government, we are providing more and more services, uh, of starting from the document which we have on our mobile, like M-Citizen, like a mobile citizen, the application which is uh, which can be downloaded. You can register the application with our administration and have all the documents downloaded inside the application, like your personal ID, uh, driving license, all documents connected to, uh, to the cars, insurance, and stuff like this. Also, from the medical perspective, like a, a COVID um, certificate, the European COVID certificate is also the part of the of the of the solution. So yes, yeah, so on different levels to be sure that. All of the people there will be able to benefit from that type of changes. Yeah, I need, uh, in my perspective, there is a big need to to, to train people, not just uh, receiving and and, uh, and sending the emails, which is as well important because there are still people which are not using emails. But but in the end of the day, depends on the requirements and then business needs or administration needs to really build that. At the EU level, at, at the at the national government level. You, you need to put these policies in place. You need to say that we have to build up our digital capabilities. From where I can see is that there's also a risk that this becomes politicized in some way where, um, you know, the, the idea is that somehow by, um, you know, 
promoting a, a digital future that uh, you're somehow taking away from from others. And I wonder if if that discourse was there before, and if following COVID nineteen and and our experience of the pandemic, whether that's eased somewhat. I mean, how how controversial is it to to kind of put these things forward now? Yes, so so absolutely right. Yes, so so after the COVID time, we, we are more and more in the in the digital space. So for sure, so we are not at the stage at the moment like maybe China, which is going to limit the number of hours for young people to be in the network in the internet. But yeah, we are we are of course in the process of explaining also the the positives or, and and the challenges we might have in the digital space. So for sure. I mean, I feel like right now we are in a space where we're grappling with the challenges of all of us having an internet connection. There's this idea that, you know, as citizens, we should have rights and we need to have rights online. Is there built-in policies or principles that you are thinking about in terms of how people interact with their digital lives? And what are those rights? And is there room for people to opt out? Actually, we are in this area, so we have our own, let's say, regulations, but we are also following the European regulations in this respect. So starting from GDPR, which we just implemented, to the other documents which we're going to, which we're going to regulate this, this space. So for sure, so from my perspective, we should have the same rights in the, in the digital space as we do have in the physical life. So that's the basic direction we should follow. So... Yeah, so but but there are different levels of, of, of discussion. If we will take, for example, the longer discussion and the and the let's say problems or challenges which we might have with the social media and big big platforms, giant players and stuff like this. Yeah, we yeah, we are observing, let's say, the discussion since long time, and we see those those type of players to going to the monopolize the market. They are and they are so big at the moment and so powerful that they can that they are bigger than quite a few states across European Union. And from the even financial perspective, they might be even stronger. Not saying about the political power to change the perspective and and our our vision of the for the future. So yes, for sure. So it's something which we are looking at. We are uh, pretty active on the European level discussions in this field as well. To be sure that people are secure, we have access to the data they are collecting. We the, the best would be to really understand the algorithms they are they are using, which is still not clear because they are not really much open to to show that. So a lot of levels of the discussion for the future. But we, yes, we are we are in this uh, discussion since quite a long time. Do you think there's a possibility of going beyond discussion and more into regulating algorithms? It's not something we've yet done, but could you build in regulation for reporting requirements from companies on algorithms? It's difficult to say because first we have to understand the algorithms. So we, now we are speculating in many fields. So yeah, so we are not clear if the algorithms are really maybe fighting with uh, hate speech and that stuff of. Uh, uh, that the type of areas, or maybe they are stimulating even the discussion to have more viewers selling more, more advertisement and, and stuff like this. So first we have to understand what they are doing. And, and as far as I know, they are not so much willing to, to open and show the algorithms they are using. It, it's interesting because if, if you compare it to, say, uh, the, the financial sector uh, 10, 15 years ago, um, the, the, there was such a big gap in expertise between 
what was going on at the investment banks and 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 the the, the institutions that were supposed to be regulating them, um, you know, they they wouldn't be able to keep up. And in a certain extent, when when it comes to big tech and governments, um, you know, we're we're trying individuals as well. We're all trying to keep up with what with what's happening in developments as well. But when when it comes to actually giving everybody access to to the digital world and digital economies, as well as you know, to Kelsey's point of even just protecting somebody who doesn't really want to be digital, um, it all comes down to uh, the right kind of investment. So, from your point of view, you know, what are your discussions, and who who do you need to talk to to ensure that the investment goes to the right areas? For your strategy to succeed, yeah. So I, actually, we have quite a, quite clear strategy. I, I think because yeah, yeah, we are focused on the four areas I, I have mentioned. So we are at the moment we are just uh, just before the auctions for the frequencies for five G. So we are going to implement five G very soon, which is uh, important from our perspective because the other technologies like uh, AI, autonomous transportation. They will be based on the 5G without delays and needed speed. So we would like to be sure that we will be not uh, not, not not catching the distance to the to, to the world, slowing down the process of of installing 5G. From the other areas, we are we are seriously thinking about uh, changing a little bit our HPC infrastructure, which is um, a high performance computing infrastructure, because what we see there is more and more data created on very different levels on the uh, corporate levels administration levels so we so so we have to be sure that we will be having enough uh, computer power to um, to yeah to be able to to deal with those those data we are also looking for the uh, quantum technologies for the for the future quantum computing quantum communication so this is something we we are looking at we are not at the moment maybe to to consider to to build such a computer, but for sure we would like to um, to be in the game to to build the competences around to in, in, invite universities and build the teams on the universities, which to let them access the real quantum computers, build competences, build applications, solutions, and and be in the game if the quantum computing will be finally or maybe in the future the uh, the, the solution for something yes for some areas. For the quantum communication, we look on the space as well, more from the cybersecurity space as a very safe communication, changing completely the cybersecurity perspective we do have at the moment or the solutions we have implemented at the moment. So, so there's most of the cases we are following and trying to be in the game with the same directions as other European countries. As you know, we have a direction from the European Union we are pretty active in all the formats, even informal formats of countries which are connected within the formats like uh, digital, like-minded. It's a number of countries which are thinking in the same way about the digital change or transformation. And we, within this group, we are discussing different ideas or potential projects we may create together and stuff like this. D9 Plus is another format we are discussing. We decided also to build... Uh, like virtual virtual secretariat for V4 projects from based on the Polish initiative. So we are very active uh, on the bilateral level in formal and informal groups of the European countries. So there are at least um, a couple of them like uh, like-minded countries, digital like-minded countries. 
It's a group of countries which are thinking about digital in the similar way. So there is a platform for, let's say, bilateral unofficial discussions before the official meetings on the Telecommunication Council on the European Union and stuff like this. It's like a, like a platform. So just to give you the example, we organized such a meeting a few years ago in our permanent representative office in Brussels, having the prime ministers and ministers on the working breakfast. And out of that, we created the idea of the free flow of data across Europe or maybe even wider. And that idea became so strong that it was implemented to the biggest European strategy, which is the digital single market. At the time, it was a digital single market supervised by the commissioner, Andrews Ansip. So it was one of the examples which, which actually yeah, been in the end executed. Another format is like D9 or D9 Plus, very similar group, a little bit different countries also discussing the the digital future on the European level, digital opportunities and, and challenges. We are also creating the type of, uh, of discussions across, uh, let's say, much closer to us groups like Visegrad Group or Trisys Initiative. Uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, there was a meeting in February in, in Krakow in Poland of the prime minister from the Visegrad Group. Uh, and we propose from the Polish perspective to prepare and sign like a digital declaration. We drafted the declaration for uh, just pointed out the future of digital areas, the areas which are from our perspective the most important. The, 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 uh, the output was very positive in the end of the day. We created uh, the virtual secretariat for V4 digital projects each of the prime minister allocated or appointed the one representative. I've had the pleasure to be the representative across the group from Poland perspective. And now we are working on the pipeline of potential big digital projects in the Visegrad group, for example. So there's a lot of different initiatives, the same with the TRISIS initiative, as you know, 12 countries initiative initiated by Poland and Croatia a few years ago as quite a lot of interesting ideas as well behind this initiative, like Tracy's Digital Highway and stuff like this. So, yeah, so definitely we are working on that since quite a few years, very actively. This is a really like fulsome description of the marshalling of alliances, of initiatives, of like really broad-based strategies to, you know, understand and grapple with our new digital world. But a lot of this has to do with establishing sovereignty and reducing dependence on you know, imports of technology. Is that is that true? And is that is is your strategy and is the reason you wake up every morning a bit to establish some sovereignty for Poland? For sure, it's 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 important as well. So there is uh, since a long time a lot of speculations about, for example, the uh, Chinese suppliers of the uh, telecommunication products and stuff like this. So for sure, we are carefully looking at the subjects. We just implemented the up updated strategy for the cybersecurity and the, and the execution of the cybersecurity strategy. So for sure, we are looking at that perspective as well. A few weeks ago, I actually I had the pleasure to, to moderate the panel of the ministers from the, let's say, Trisys area and the Lithuanian minister. He he been very strict that the only the vendors which are located across NATO or OECD 
can deliver the telecommunication infrastructure in their country. So it was very clear message. In a couple of weeks later, there, there was a clear statement from them that they are suggesting or recommending to replace the Chinese uh, mobiles uh, people are using. So yeah, they are very strict. But in the end of the day, it's 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 something which is which we are considering uh, as well to be sure that the vendors we are using, they are safe and, and this, the infrastructure is secure from that perspective. Christoph Schubert, thanks so much for joining us. I hope the rest of your trip is, is very successful. Thank you very much. I mean, what was interesting about that was I, I kind of felt overwhelmed and, and sort of grateful uh, in a way that I'm not working on digital strategy because there is so much. You have to be on top of cybersecurity. You've got to be on top of, uh, you know, infrastructure. You've got to be on top of changing trends. You've got to understand algorithms. I mean, that's just the a unintended few consequences of any one of your decisions on a daily basis is terrifying and hugely and, and, and I think, I think, to your point, um, and you, it, it was really good you raised it because, you know, it, not everybody wants to embrace the digital world, and it's it's one thing if you're an employee at a company. There's a certain, you know, uh, sort of there is a contract, right? You join a company and, and that's how we do it. But as a citizen, why, if you don't want to embrace the digital world, you shouldn't have to, right? Particularly when we're still in the brave new world of how our data is managed and who owns it and who profits from it. I think the, the targets of you know, 100% compliance on things like digital strategies are in these early days, you want to have a fairly robust opt-out option and one that still allows citizens to really retain full citizenship and full experiences of, of that citizenship. Um, and, and the digital divide, the digital gap really threatens that. Kelsey Warner, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. All that remains to thank Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, our production team, and you all for listening. Do join us again next time.